especially in today's world, it's all around work culture and making sure that you're the right fit for that company. You want to go to work and enjoy what you're doing every day. Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. What's going on, everyone? Thank you again for tuning in to another great episode of Mitten Money. I'm certainly happy to be recording this episode inside on a day like today where, for context, it's over 90 plus degrees outside. But besides the point, I am so happy to be sharing this great episode with you all. I think it's safe to say that it's normal for people to feel stuck in their own career. And perhaps through some self-reflection may realize, hey, you know what? It's time for a new job. So for many people out there, it might have been years since you've gone through that whole process. Always wanting to go put your best foot forward, what should someone do? Well, one thing you can certainly do is listen to the rest of this episode. So today, as you can imagine, I chat with Elizabeth Hubble-Rodosa, who is the current Assistant Director of Career Services for SVSU. We chat all about how people can prepare for an interview how to conduct themselves throughout that whole process, what to do after the interview, and so much more. So Lizzie, working with in-career services must be a blast at SVSU. When you were a student, did you ever think you'd come back and work for the university? And then what also inspired you to come back and look for this opportunity? I love being back here, but honestly, I never saw myself living in Michigan. I actually lived overseas for about five and a half years. And I was determined I was never going to come back to Michigan. This just wasn't the place for me. But we ended up, my husband and I moved back to the States. And at the time, he actually was still overseas because we were waiting for his green card. So I did the easy thing, moved in with my parents. So we figured out what was going to happen. And I had an amazing opportunity to actually interview out of state. It just gave me such bad anxiety. I panicked. And that was my sign. No, Lizzie, you are supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in Michigan. You came back from overseas to be closer to family. I was actually a student worker here at SVSU at my time going through my degree. So I had this amazing network of people here. So I just reached out to them. Hey, I've just recently moved back. Here's my resume. Is there anything on campus? And at the time, there actually was some internal shifting in the foundation office where I was a student worker. So they actually had an open position available and it was the perfect fit for me. I worked there for about a year, but in my previous job, I was a consultant. I was working with people every day and I missed that interaction. So when the opportunity to join career services, when this position came available, the idea of just working so closely with students and having that engagement and that interaction with them just was so exciting for me that I just had to jump on the opportunity. And it's just been short of a year now. I joined in April of last year and I've been loving every minute of it. I'm so glad I made the change. I can definitely see the enthusiasm for the position uh, coming out a little bit. Most people may think of career services. There's a lot of different avenues that this could cover. And so specifically for yourself, you typically help students interview, maybe recent alumni, maybe help with some resume or cover letter critiques. What's the full gamut that we're looking at here? It's all a little bit different every day, day to day and stuff. But our services are for life for our alumni. And we've been noticing as well, post pandemic, especially that there's a lot of career shifting. People who were wanted to be a social worker, they realized things have changed since the pandemic. They don't want to be a social worker anymore. Now they want to go into teaching or education or something like that. So we have had a lot of those alumni that have been out for 10, 15, 20 years coming back. I haven't written a resume in 20 years. How do I do this? That's been an interesting new component of it that we weren't really getting previously with our alums. So having that component of it, but then just the everyday student-to-student interaction as well. 
We do try to get in the classrooms as much as we can, working with the faculty, getting the faculty to bring in these career readiness components as well. So we want students essentially, yeah, going to get that degree, that piece of paper is amazing, having those technical skills, but we don't want them just to walk across the stage and, well, what next? Where do I go now? We want them to walk across the stage, have that diploma, and also have a job lined up. So that's really what our main focus is and making sure students have the tools to do so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And double-clicking into that idea a little further, Lizzie. SVSU is a great university. I went to CMU, but let's pretend for a second. I'm an SVSU alumni. I went into the engineering field and I'm not interested yet, but I'm just thinking about making a career switch, maybe into teaching or some parallel. It's not an exact parallel opposite, but just for the sake of the argument. Would you guys be able to facilitate a conversation just even on that possibility? Maybe I don't know if this career field might be a good idea. Might this be a good idea for me? Yeah. So one of the tools we actually use, we use it more for students who are just completely undecided coming in, but we've started using it for these scenarios as well. It's the Strong Interest Inventory Assessment through the Meyer Briggs Company. So what it does is it's 291 questions all about, do you like math? Do you like this? And you just say yes or no really quick. Based on those interests, we're able to then have those really good conversations around, well, you think you want to go into teaching, but actually your interests show you don't like being around people. (laughs) Having those tools behind us really help us to facilitate those. And then just using platforms out there like ONET Online, just allow us to pull up those occupations, go through what are the everyday tasks? Are these things that you would actually enjoy doing? It does say 97% of the time on a computer. Do you want to be sitting at a computer for the rest of your life? So having those tools and having those conversations do make a good outcome then. Maybe this isn't what I want to do. Maybe there's something else within engineering that still is what I want to do, just not exactly what I'm doing right now. That makes a lot of sense. And for a lot of people, often that first requiring big governing document for a job to go apply somewhere is the resume and then also the cover letter. Very, very important for anyone in any job search. What would you say is something that really holds people back that you see common when people are applying for the different jobs? And this doesn't have to be industry specific per se, but what's something very common that might get people flagged in a wrong way and might get them considered out of the running, even if they are a good fit? We've got a group of employer partners, about 20 of them that we work closely with. And this is always feedback that we're getting from them or what are they seeing on resumes? What needs to improve? And constantly the biggest one is spelling and grammar. So having all of those spelling and grammar mistakes are normally the number one reason of why they're looking at their resume. Yeah, the stuff that's on here, it sounds really great, but it's just written so poorly that they just pass on you. So we tell all of our students, don't just rely on Microsoft Word to do the fixing. Run it through the tools like Grammarly. There are so many amazing tools out there that I wish existed when I was a student that are free and available to them. So we say, run it through that, double check it, send it to us, let us read through it. We'll do a double check, make sure that grammar and everything's all looking good. That's probably one of the biggest ones. But also another one that we hear a lot from employers is incorrect contact information. It's something that we write constantly. So it's easy for us to easily transpose the number, easily transpose a letter in our email. And we don't really think about it. And it's just in the header there. We don't go back and look at it that often. Then employer tries to contact you to set up that interview and it goes to the wrong person when they call or they keep getting a bounce back in your email or you included an email that you don't use anymore. And so you just miss that email communication from them. So that's another one that we get. Sometimes some employers will reach out to us if it's a student position. Hey, can you help us get a hold of them? But I would say most of the time, you're not going to have the employer hunting you down like that to set up an interview. So those are probably the biggest ones. But just another one in today's world, the ever-changing technology space. Whenever you're applying for a job online, 
not just send your resume to this email, but you're actually filling out an online application. You've got to enter all this information. Probably nine times out of 10, it's going to go through what's called an applicant tracking system, an ATS. And those are very strict. It's an AI system that's reading your resume. So there's a lot of guidelines that need to be followed. And a lot of the templates out there when you Google them aren't actually readable by these systems. And they're very keyword driven as well. So they're trying to grade your resume against the job description. If you're not matching high enough, a lot of the time with these large organizations, they get hundreds, thousands of applicants. So they don't have a human person going through all of them. So this computer does that initial scan and then a human reviewer looks at it. But if you're not scoring high enough, you're not getting to that human reviewer stage. So there's a lot of extra things that I think we really need to think about now. And unfortunately, a lot of the tools aren't updated yet for that. That's really intriguing that you mentioned that. Obviously, spelling and grammar make a big difference, but I can also understand, okay, so you get past that first hurdle, the ATS tracker. Now you're on step number two. How should you think about the design of either document? I'm sure within any industry, there's a very specific subsector of how you should follow that. But I can also see maybe there's different designs people should follow. So is there just some good overarching advice as it pertains to that? Yeah. Big one, mostly for the ATS side of things are just single column formats. They look a little bit more boring, but there's things that you can do to jazz them up. You can have different headers. You can add lines or something underneath those headers to break them apart. But essentially, you just want to try to keep things nice and clean. Don't go less than half inch margins on your document, trying to fit everything on sometimes, but don't go smaller than that. Don't go smaller than 10 point font. A lot of our employers also say they don't want to see your picture on there. Big feedback that we get that a lot of those resume templates, if you just Google or even open up Microsoft Word, they've got that spot to put your photo. But a lot of our employers say, we don't want to see that. We don't want that taking up the real estate space here on your resume. There's a lot more important information. But yeah, I would just say play around with the font and the formatting side of it to make it stand out a little bit more. Don't go overly crazy. Only keep it to maybe two different fonts complete on your resume. But use bolding, use underlining, use those features within it to make certain things stand out that you really want them to see. When it does get to the human reviewer, they're still spending on average the six to 10 seconds looking at your resume. So you want to make sure that it's an order of importance too. have that most important information that relates to the job that you're applying for right at the top. Don't hide it on the second page. Sometimes they don't get to the second page. So make sure all the relevant information is right up to the top. That's probably the biggest thing. And then keeping it just to that single column format as well. Definitely. What are your thoughts on if people and also what kind of interest that people should have within their resume too? I can certainly see, okay, well, your interests are X, Y, and Z, but maybe X shouldn't be within your interest, but maybe you could also win some good brownie points for you too. So what are your thoughts on that? We go back and forth with our employer partners on this question too. Do you want to see that? Do you not? And that one is a little mixed bag. Some of them are like, no, I only want professional stuff on there. I don't really care. They can bring up their hobbies in the interview if they want to. We get to know them a little bit better. But at this stage, we just want to know the professional. Will they fit at this role? Whereas other ones, that's what makes a work culture. We want to see that information right now. So I think there is a yes and no to having that information on there. And I think a lot of it might come into doing a little research on the company before you apply as well. So try to get a feel for what their work culture is. Look at their employment hiring page. Most organizations have a full section on that on their website. So do some research there and then decide from that aspect. You might end up with multiple copies of your resume. That's totally fine. Again, with keyword driven and stuff, we want to have multiple copies there. 
But I'd say if you are putting your hobbies and stuff, try to still keep to the more professional ones that still relate to exactly who you are and how those might benefit the role as well and benefit the company. You can definitely see that. Now shifting along this hypothetical job application process, got the resume down. Now we've been asked to come for an interview. And so I can imagine there's a lot of prep work that comes into being a successful applicant, but then also carrying on that momentum into the interview process as well. What are some ways that you've seen work well, Lizzie, for people and how they can prepare for possible questions they make it asked as well? One of the big ones, set up a mock interview. We do mock interviews for students, alumni. That's the best way to get the jitters out a little bit, but also get a little bit of coaching on how to answer some of the standard questions. For our students, we do have a bank of the typical questions that you might get for a graphic designer or for an engineer or for a teacher. So that way you get a little bit of practice. Obviously, we're never going to know exactly what you're going to be asked in an interview, but at least to give you the tips on tell me about yourself. How do you answer that question? That's one that everyone hates. So that's a good way if you have the option to do a mock interview. If you don't, simply Google. Go out there and Google, what are standard interview questions for a graphic designer? There's some really good resources out there, good platforms that even then give you some examples of how to answer some of those typical questions. But one of the biggest things that we tell our students in all of our presentations is anytime that you have those questions of describe a time or tell me about, use something like the STAR method. There's a bunch of different acronyms out there for all different things, but we use the STAR method. So that's your situation, your task, your action, and your result. So try to answer all those questions with those components in it. And that's normally going to then get you really providing all the information that the interviewer is looking for. And of course, if you're not quite getting there, they're going to ask those follow-up questions, try to dig a little bit deeper. But if you do that STAR method, then typically you are covering all the components that they're trying to get. I could definitely see that. And for some people or alumni who may have been in the workforce for 15 or 20 years, I could imagine telling a little bit about yourself. What areas should you really be focusing in on? Because for some, maybe you focus, okay, so this is my time in college. This is my first, second, and third job. How far back should you maybe really cover? Would there be a certain time segment or limit that you should really focus in on to really narrow yourself down? Because for some people, you don't necessarily want to go press the fast forward button through your career in life, but it might be hard to cover 20 years worth of experience in 30 seconds or a minute. That's definitely a tricky one. Similar rule with your resume. Keep things off your resume that are It's kind of coming to the five to eight year range now because a lot of this generation isn't really in one job for 20 years like previous generations where where that was the only thing they had in their resume. Now we may have five different things on there. So it makes your resume a little bit longer. So I think that time range of five to eight years, whatever you're keeping on your resume is probably the same stuff that you'll want to then cover within that. Tell me about yourself. Tell me a little bit about your work history. And similar with that too, all the tools and stuff that we see in the research on it says, stay a little bit away from the personal life. You don't need to go into, I've got three siblings and a dog or anything like that. If your dog's a big part of what you do after you're outside of work, then include that. And you can mention quickly, you got a family or whatever, but you don't need to go into all the specific details. Sometimes employers will say as well, they don't necessarily want to hear all of that stuff because unfortunately there is still discrimination that happens. So giving them those opportunities, oh, well, this candidate has five kids that might impact their time at work, whereas this one didn't. We don't want them to have that opportunity. So not that that should ever be a case, but unfortunately, it can happen sometimes still. So keeping it still to what's on your resume and just who you are. I appreciate touching into that, especially with such depth as well. Now we prep for the interview. Now we're at the interview. Now at the tail end of the interview itself. Asking the right questions can definitely help set yourself apart as an interview person or as an interviewee, I should say. So 
How can someone identify the right questions that they should ask at the end of an interview? So important. Whenever they ask any questions for us, never say no. (laughs) This is really your time to interview them. Yeah, they're making sure that you're going to be the right fit for the position. But especially in today's world, it's all around work culture and making sure that you're the right fit for that company. You want to go to work and enjoy what you're doing every day. So this is your chance to do so. Some really good ones to ask are simply, can you describe the work culture here? Or one of my favorites, ask them, what do you enjoy most about working for this company? Or what's your favorite thing about working here, working in this department? They love the chance to talk about themselves too. So that's always a really good one. But outside of that, you can go into a little bit more about the position also. Show your interests, show that you want to succeed in this position. So ask things like, how do you plan to measure success for this role? Or what are the expectations for a person in this role in the next 30 to 90 days or something like that? Try to get a feel for what outcomes and return on investment that they're really looking for. And then, of course, if they haven't talked about what the next steps are in the hiring process, some interviewers do leave that question, especially for I see for students and recent grads, they leave the question of what are the next steps to the interviewee to see if they're going to take that initiative and ask that question. So if they haven't talked about it, that's a really good one to close it off with. But have two to three questions in the back of your mind, things that are really important to you. It helps if you do some research on the company as well. So if you see that they were just in the news for something, maybe they're really invested in DE&I, and that's something that really resonates with you, ask a question about that. Ask for a little bit more information. Ask how that program's going or whatever that they've just implemented. That just shows that interest as well that you really want to work for that company, that it's not just a random job for you. I can definitely see that. And now shifting our interview to the lightning round of questions. And so Lizzie, what would you say is your most important daily habit? Probably my morning cuddles with my puppy. (laughs) That always brightens my day. (laughs) What kind of dog? We've got an eight-month-old Australian cattle dog. Very nice. Very nice. What would you say is your favorite TV or streaming show that you're currently watching or have recently? Currently watching the new season of Outer Banks. Really enjoying that one. But my go-to anytime I just need to unwind, watch something is definitely Gilmore Girls. Definitely a classic, but always, always a good show. So I can definitely agree with you on that. And if you could be remembered for just one thing, what would it be? That one's a hard one. (laughs) But I think right now where I'm at in my life, because I know when I was a student, I still have thoughts sometimes of, oh, this professor or this faculty member gave me this bit of advice. So I hope for students that down the road, they're like, oh yeah, you remember that lady from career services told me to do this or, you know, told me to put this in my resume. I'm hoping that there's those tidbits of advice out there that I'm remembered for down the road. (laughs) That's perfect. And so for those people who want to learn more about yourself or SVSU, what are some good resources for the listeners out there? Best one's probably just the SVSU website. So svsu.edu, it has all the departments on there. Anyone who's looking for more information on career services or the resources that we offer, or any of our employment fairs, they are open to the community as well. We don't have any more for the rest of this academic year, but we've got all the dates out there for next academic year. So that's just svsu.edu slash careers. And that has all of our resources, all of our events on there. And then if anyone's looking for more information on me, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's perfect. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Lizzie. Thank you, William. You've been listening to Mitten Money sponsored by TriStar Trust. Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at tristartrust.com.